The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. That is the biggest camera I think I have ever, ever seen. For, for someone that said they work with Fujifilm for the, the small um, you know, size factor of the whole thing. Look at that. It's a beast. Uh, you, you're, taking the, you're taking the proverbial out of my new GFX. It's a lovely looking camera. Look at it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm making a clattering noise. Um, yeah, it is very nice, actually. And, is it uh, really, really heavy? Not really. No? Hey, look. Uh, no, that's what I'd say. I mean, it's well, I'd say that's probably a 1DX kind of yeah, weight. Yeah, 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 absolutely. As you'd expect, same size probably as well. Well, yeah, but, you know, when you consider this has got 102 megapixels in it and yeah. IBIS and all that kind of stuff, I'm excited by that, I have What to was say. the first picture you took with it? Uh, I think it was a picture of a glass of wine. <laughs> no, th- that shows you how things have come along, because usually Kev always used to diligently uh, would the first frame you took with a new camera would be a member of your family it would usually yeah, be, that's be true. Albie or it would be Rosa or it would it would be Gemma yeah never the dogs that's obviously true. not Monty no not Monty no so uh, so there we go so you took a picture of a glass of wine as yeah, your first yeah probably because it was um yeah, one o'clock bed expect yeah when I kind of got out yeah no I'm really excited by it it's certainly not a wedding thing or no. anything but I'm I've got plans for it or it's got plans for me I think more Has than it? anything um yeah looks good looks good feels good takes amazing pictures does it uh yeah no you take amazing pictures oh yeah that's right yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah, the yeah. way it works the fuji cast so there was those people that say um Oh, but you, you, what's the, that? What's that famous phrase? You know, you got a lovely camera. You, you must, you must get incredible pictures. Yes. Yeah, and the, the person behind the camera's not too bad either. No, roll, roll that one Along with the the other favourite, um, whenever you're asked how many pictures you've taken today, photographer, um, then I always answer four and a half gallons. Mm-hmm. And you can see the look in their eyes. They're like, oh, that must be photo speak. Somebody famous once said, "The most important part of a camera is the 18 inches behind it." Ooh. <laughs> He said that. That's someone famous. I oh, can't right. remember, oh, but someone famous. Yeah. Right, uh, coming up today, you and your questions. Mailbag is, as we said last week, electronically brimming. So thank you for your questions. Keep sending them in to click at fujicast.co.uk. On the question front, by the way, don't just send tech ones in. We love receiving the tech ones, clearly. Um, but also just stuff about how you emotionally um, connect with photography. They're, they're really important um, uh, questions and also talking points. So please make sure you, you send them in. Kev's just playing around with his GFX now. Look, are you interested in today's show at all? I can't. I don't, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to turn it off. <laughs> oh, well, there's the on-off thing there, isn't it? Yeah. Look, the lens just retracted. Yeah. It's off. But all of the numbers are staying on the all screen. Right. Um, they do that on the, the X-H1 as well, though. You see the numbers on the top plate. Mm. It is off. Okay. I'm sure it is. Anyway, if you've emailed before, fantastic. Um, if you've never emailed before, get in there. Um, end of the show, we'll have another one of the photo disasters. So please keep sending those in. There's been some super disaster stories of late. If you've left a review in Apple Podcasts, thank you very, very much. Uh, before we go on, remember to join the private Fujicast group in Facebook. Uh, because it's a really nice community of, of, of like-minded guys and girls in there. And today's interview is with the multi-talented, um, multi-faceted Gabrielle Matola. And, and, and her work is, mm. is absolutely superb. And the story, um, in fact, we, we're kind of returning to the, uh, the mental health uh, story with photography with, uh, with Gabrielle as well. Um, because, um, well, as you'll hear in the interview, that that plays that plays a part in the in the interview. So, questions, questions. Are you gonna you gonna start? Shall I go first? Yes, I've got a quick one uh, from Steve Dika. 
think mm -hmm. fellows i've never done street photography before and as you say in the uk i want to give it a go i'm guessing he's not from the uk then um i'll be using my trusty xt3 and would like to only take one lens so my question is which one of the four i own should i start with and he's got these four lenses 16 mil f1.4 1024 f4 1855 f2.824 55 to 200 f3.5 to 4.8 there's a lot of numbers there wasn't yeah. there um so well, you're the street guy, but I know if I was choosing one, I was hoping to hear the 23 was in there, but nah, it's not. Yeah. So the closest I get to that is the 10 to 24, yeah. which uh, which I um, I like that as a lens. It's it's not the best. It's not the best in the range, is it? But it's, I, it's I'd a, go 10 24 as well. I, I mean, the 16 1.4 is your more kind of natural street photography type mm. prime lens combo, I suppose. But you've got more range with the 10 24. Depends how low light you're going to get. 60, I don't like the 16 because it's too wide for me. That's all. Personally, 23 is my my go to. For Length and so the 1024 covers that. Mind you, so does the 1855. Uh, Why would you not go with bigger. the 18, 1855? Yeah, maybe 1855. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Let's go 1855. Quality of that lens is slightly better. Hands up if you want 1855. <laughs> yeah, two hands went up. 1855. Throw all the others in a bin. Well done. <laughs> Don't throw the others in the bin. <laughs> uh, but buy yourself a uh, um, a 23. Yes. Ching, ching. Hey, Kev and Neil. Spell N E I L E. Um, obligatory uh, paragraph, not photograph, of how I love the podcast, but Kev's not going to read it anyway. Well, I'm reading this one. I've been binging over the past few months, and I'm I'm almost caught up with all all episodes. I've been interested in, in taking up photography as a hobby. Uh, it seems a lot of fun. I've been spending the last few months researching cameras, techniques, YouTube, listening to podcasts. That's the best way, isn't it? Really, YouTube is full of of great ideas. Um, I'm a recent graduate and have a few pennies, pennies to my name, so looking for some advice. I own a Nikon F90X that I picked up at a charity shop for 15 quid, and that's been a lot of fun, but I, I think I'd like to get a digital camera so I can learn about having... Uh, I can learn without having to spend all my money on film. Uh, before finding the podcast, I decided that the Fuji X system would be a good one to get into. I'm drawn to the X-Pro1 as a first camera so I can change lenses, and it has the optical viewfinder just like my Nikon. Is it worth risking getting a, a used 80-year-old camera? Have either of you ever bought used kit, or should I get a newer camera that's lower down the range as it were? Sorry, this is almost a long one. He says, almost done. I don't think either of you have mentioned how you got into photography. Maybe I've not listened to that episode. How did you learn? What cameras did you start with? What made you get into it? Well, we'll hold all those questions for a second. We'll sort of come to each one. Let's start with um, purchasing a, a used camera. Um, I'm very happy to have pur purchased an X-H1 as um, a, a reconditioned one from the Fujifilm store. Mm. And that's been absolutely brilliant I've and got, I'm I've, very very happy with that i got a reconditioned x-pro 2 from the fujifilm store yeah yeah so no problem with that i mean it do, does depend where you buy it from yeah would yeah. you be a bit more cautious about buying it from somebody you just don't know on ebay i, I have to say ebay is a great place but maybe not for a used camera in, the, in, in this in uh, this particular situation i probably wouldn't buy a used camera off ebay if it was something i, I needed to use it to make money with i would buy a film camera or a, you know a, a kind of you know something that i want to use from a, a hobbyist point of view yeah yeah, yeah. um what yeah. about x-pro one as is his choice then yeah i think it's it's going to be dirt cheap yeah um still a, a good camera it's you know you you will need to especially if you're coming from um different kind of ecosystems mm. you will probably struggle with the focusing at first with the x-pro one 
uh, if you can stretch to X-Pro2 or even XE ranges, yeah. uh, I'd probably think about that, to be honest with you. The X-Pro1 was a uh, beautiful camera, but had its, had its um, you know, a few little problems in terms of focusing speed and everything. Um, so there are better variants of that going around. Um, but yeah, I mean, depends on budget, doesn't it? Always with these questions, how much money you've got yeah. is, is the answer. Yeah. Well, I didn't mention his name, by the way. It's Nathan Rees, who is in brackets, new to photography in Edinburgh. Uh, he had another couple of questions. How you got into photography? I mean, I know this is a, um, a story well travelled on this show about you about the wedding photography leap. But let, let's um, avoiding that. What about a step before that? How did you get into photography? What was or was that all part of the same? There, I wasn't. I was never in photography. We never into it. Never. You never have a camera before. Nope. Oh right. Okay. Nope. Oh, wow. You weren't new actually. New. That's not quite true. We. Di- I did have some kind of Canon. Uh, like uh, something you'd buy from Dixon's going on holiday. Right. Uh, I don't know what it was called. Was it a uh, digital one? or? Yeah, yeah, it was a digital camera. Oh, no, it was a film camera. Was it? Yeah, I had oh. to put film in it. Um, however, I didn't really use it, and uh, that went with the divorce. Did it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the first God one. God knows what's on that film. It's probably, she's probably still got the camera. <laughs> what was on the film? Probably. Don't answer that question. Yeah. I got into it because of... Um, <laughs> this seems a really shallow reason. But I was working in radio, and, and we went round... Um, to a friend's house who um, lives locally to here. She's um, a landscape photographer, does a bit of commercial work, and she had a bag full of, um, I don't remember, it was Nikon or Canon, but it was, um, it, was, it was a bag full of kit. And I looked at this bag and I thought, oh, it was singing at me. I thought, wow, that looks a great... <laughs> A great amount of gadgets. Typical man. Uh, that's, a man that's a man that's thing. That's a man's I want it. it. Things can be plugged in. I want it. There was nothing to do with emotion. It was all to do with the fact that Joe Andreas had this fantastic array of cameras. And I was thinking, Joe, this is great. You know. But uh, now his next question, um, how did you learn? Well, again, you learned on the job, didn't you? Really? Yeah. You had to learn as you, yeah. as, you, as you went along. Yeah. Cameras you started with, you were a Canon man, weren't you? I was a Canon man. Yeah. And, uh, and that was it. And, and what made you want to get into it? Well, we we just change your life. Change yeah. your life. Yeah. 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 Did you do, uh, did did you do any photo projects in colleges or anything like that? No. At all? No. None of that. Nothing. Do do you feel you'd like to do that or not? Really not worried about that. What did I when I was in college? You mean or no? No. I. You know how some people go and do city and guilds and oh um MAs no, and no I didn't. I'm actually running a course right now at Simon Sester. Oh, you are adult course. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's not. There's no kind of qualification at the end of it. Right. It's about documentary photography, and it's 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 been good fun. Yeah. Well, Nathan, um, Nathan, thank you very much for that. Yeah. So I have a question from James uh, Martindale. He says, uh, "Hope the one year anniversary show went well. It did, didn't it? I think it did. I yeah. know it was two weeks ago, but um, seems it was ages ago. Very now. good. Yeah. I mean, people have even forgiven us for Glasgow Lee Lee Glasgow's um, <laughs> oh, bless him. Piece of the- um, <laughs> gutted not to be there. So a couple of questions. Number one: yeah. When are you going to come to Ireland? Oh, mm. love love to. Is the um, answer. Promise the first round of real guinness uh as uh, he'll buy the first round of real guinness as you know as he knows we both like stuff well in that case let's go now should we yeah Yeah. let's go right to hell with the money uh second question right you've been talking on the show about life changes of late Mm. in particular kevin's vegan expedition although i like to use the words (laughs) plant-based diet diet. yes uh (laughs) there should be a (laughs) t-shirt 
<laughs> uh, we know? were on a break. I can do it. That was the that was the friends one, wasn't it? Plant based diet. Uh, Gemma, as a joke, bought me a vegan stamp at Christmas. Did she? Like you know, like a post. You you, you stamp it on things, and it comes out green and vegan. And as Albie was asleep Jeez. in bed the other day, I noticed he'd stamped all over his feet about eight times. Vegan, vegan, vegan. <laughs> just on the bottom of his feet. Bless him. Why did he do that? He just like stamping it, but oh. he doesn't. He doesn't want to do it anywhere where people will see it. No, well, you did. Uh, that was shortly after he had his chicken burger. As a photographer in my late 50s... As a He's an undercover vegan. As a photographer in my late 50s of many years, I'm noticing that I need to... Oh, this is a good, great question. Mm. I'm noticing that I need to think about fitness more these days. Uh, a long day shooting editorial work or weddings and portraits really no takes it out of me. What do you both do to keep fit? <laughs> On to the next question. <laughs> <laughs> well, in terms of fitness, I have... Uh, you go to the gym. I do go to the gym, but um, and I'm trying to take it far more seriously now. I've noticed. I've noticed. Um, I'm in my my early fifties, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm I'm noticing that a long day. I do feel it the next day. Doesn't matter on the day itself. Fit, fit as a fiddle, but I do feel it more. So I, you know, weight training is becoming more important. Yeah, I know we're not lifting great amounts of gear with Fujifilm. Uh, a lot of the time, you are with your your GFX now. <laughs> Yeah, you have to start doing uh, those dumbbells, working out a bit more. Um, but I, I, that eating has become slightly more important in terms of choosing what what I eat. Mm. Still not quite got that right. I'm I'm immeasurably proud of the fact that you've managed to. It's November then you started being on this plant. End of October. Diet. End I think of it October. Was. That's I mean that's incredible. Hmm. And the other day at wedding, you got offered a, a, a plate of food, and yeah. and then they and you didn't want the the pork thing. Mm-hmm. And they took you into the kitchen and showed you a, a vat of beetroot, something <laughs> beetroot stew, which, which I remember when we were talking about. It, he said to me, uh, "I was going to ask him to take the. It, look, it just looked like blood stew. He said, Can you take the eyeballs out, please." <laughs> Uh, but you stuck, you it stuck, was nice though you stuck rigid to it I did yeah and it stuck rigid to my white shirt <laughs> yeah I can't eat beetroot because there's something that happens after you eat beetroot that makes you think oh no I've got a terrible illness you're one of those people that don't pronounce the T in beetroot beetroot you said beetroot 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 that could be my, my uh, arm um, for cheer up yeah but okay so when you, you go to the gym yeah did you do some? you went to the gym this morning what time did you go to the gym this morning six o'clock yeah, in the morning at the gym yes so how many times a week do you do that three times Yep. Yep. If I can do four for an hour. Yep. And at least twice now. Um, it will be sorry. At least once, but it, we're hoping to do twice a week with a personal trainer. Yeah. Um, and that's not because suddenly I've come into a oodles of money. It's because I'm I'm making a podcast and doing a film series with the. So we're doing kind of a trade for barter. We're just friends. I'm doing this thing now where I, I used to go to the gym a lot and I still go as much as I can. Yeah. But, but I'm doing this. Um, oh, your ten ten one hundred system. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Explain is, that so everybody understands it. So basically. He, the the idea is that eventually you get to run in 10 kilometers doing 100 press-ups and 100 sit-ups mm. in each session and you would want to do that like maybe twice or three times a week yeah now of course that's a huge thing that's mm. that's massive to be able to do that so 100 you, in a row yeah press, wow. 100 press-ups and sit-ups is not unreasonable didn't j-lo used to do something like a thousand a day yeah that's that's what 100 yeah. is not unreasonable yeah. it's hard yeah um but the, the thing is you build up to it so currently you get groin strain if, if you're a man if and you're, you do, if you're not used to doing that many what if you're doing it wrong perhaps yeah, yeah it's doing a doing a press-ups or sit-ups you're going to get groin strain from no because your whole body's uh, just um t- tensing along your <laughs> core isn't it <laughs> 
I want to watch you do a press bones up. connected to you. <laughs> um, so the idea is you start really, really uh, low. So at five, at yeah. half. Yeah. So that would be half kilometer run, five press ups, five sit ups, and you do that three times a week. And as long as you do it three times in a week, then the next week you go up to one, one kilometer run, mm. ten sit ups, ten press ups. As long as you do that three weeks in a row, you go up to one and a half, etc., etc. Mm. Now, if in any case, in any week, you can't get to three sessions and you can't do your three you have to penalize yourself and go back down a half oh no and so because my i've been fluctuating about in switzerland and various places where like are that, you on the minus levels now no 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 i'm not i'm up to i'm up to four and a half now oh, so wow. four on, and a half k yeah so friday i did 45 press ups 45 yeah. sit-ups yeah. Four, four and a half k yeah. run yeah. um then that that takes that took about 35 minutes in total yeah now, the longer, obviously, the longer the sessions go on, the longer the session, uh, sorry, the, the further the distance, the longer the session. But the great thing about it is it's targeted and also it's not boring and uh, it doesn't involve any of those mu- muscle machines with, you know, you, you've got in our gym, which is a brilliant gym, by the way, uh, you know, I go in there and it's like gorillas lifting bloody <laughs> tree trunks above their heads and stuff. I waddle in with my little beer belly and... You don't have a beer belly. Uh, <laughs> so I avoid that room now. I just do my thing and it's really good. And and mm. with the uh, plant-based diet, it's, uh, <laughs> it's it's it makes me feel a lot better, much, yeah. much more fitter. But you're right. I mean, James, you're right. You know, as we are all getting older, obviously, it, 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 yeah, I think looking after yourself is important. And I do judo now once a week. I know, you're, uh, you're, a, bra- you're a brown belt. I am. Got my brown belt back. So this is all good. This is all positive stuff, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's all positive. Yeah. Yes. And then I go home and have wine. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's not so good then, because you're now you're, you're unwinding all the good work you've done. Yeah. Yeah, well, you've got to have a bit of fun. That's true. Uh, Paul Wright from the Facebook group. Question for any landscape photographers. What tripod would you recommend for somebody who's starting out? I don't want to spend more than about 200 quid just in case it doesn't get used that much and it just sits in a cupboard somewhere. I know so many photographers that buy tripods and they end up as clothes horses. <laughs> they just never get used. Mm. Um, what, 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 do, you, do you have a tripod? Uh, uh, yeah, I've got a, um, a Manfrotto with an RC something or other yeah, head. Yeah. That's RC the letters, not RC. <laughs> it's a good, I, I good know, head. We know what you meant. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I've got a man frotto as well, and I can't remember what RC number it is at, at all. But uh, you know, yeah, it was <laughs> man frotto. I find a great because they're they're strong and and long and gone forever. So we move on to another question. Yeah. Hugh Rawson. Um, I'm an amateur street photographer shooting mostly in London. I've been approached by an agency interested in my work. Oh, well done you. Yeah. Any thoughts on a daily rate for shooting in London would be hugely appreciated. Was this off the Facebook group? Yeah. Um, I, thought, I, 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 I thought I'd take a few hours conversation. With I you. didn't have a clue about that, but I, I, I suggested he spoke to... Um, Nick Turpin? Nick. Yeah? Still thinking about the tripod. Yes, Nick, of course, Nick. <laughs> and I think Nick did get in touch with him. But there, there is also the um, uh, NUJ have a website uh, where you can you can type in what your yeah. images are to be used for and it will give you a suggested daily rate. Uh, you just type in NUJ photographer's rates into Google and you'll find that. Um, so, uh, but that's great that he's getting commissioned from oh, street that's photography. amazing, isn't it? Yeah, not many people do that these days. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. well done, Hugh. Yeah, absolutely. Right, your question. Uh, okay, my, my Make question... Make it not about tripods. No, it's not. Uh, it's quite a complicated question. Hi, Kevin and Neil. Hope this email finds you both fine and dandy. Blah, 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 blah. 
<laughs> I have recently succumbed to the dark side and for, uh, of the force and officially swapped Canon for Fujifilm. In fact, it was at the X Weddings conference where I came back four and a half grand poorer. Ooh. Four and a well half grand. Done. You look third cash yeah. register in as many. In, 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 in the same half four and a half grand and I half get blamed a lot my wife says thank you to you both she's probably got a dartboard with your face uh, on it <laughs> my wife says thank you very much and she doesn't like holidays anyway <laughs> uh, my question to you both is this now that you need to listen to this carefully uh, go on. I have read so many debates on various forums and Facebook groups discussing whether or not the aperture is affected by the relevant crop factor right. on a crop sensor camera in the same way the focal length is but I have still not been able to ascertain the correct answer when purchasing a lens, the vendor will often state on their website the equivalent 35mm focal length, but do not mention anything in regards to the F number. It makes sense to me that the F number would also change, i.e. 16mm f1.4 on Fujifilm camera would be equivalent to 24mm f2.1 on a full frame. Please can you provide your expert opinions on this matter and help clear this up once and for all. Right, Neil, this one's for you. No, this is, I, was just, I was just reading the next few questions. I was thinking Kev's clearly got this one sorted. Uh, well, um, Talking to the, the resident tech man in the room. Yeah, I, I'm fairly sure that the uh, aperture... The aperture in terms of depth of field, yes, is changeable. It does get affected. However, the light gathering doesn't. That's mm. my understanding. So f1.4 on a Fujifilm camera ha should have the same light gathering uh, ability as f1.4 on a full frame camera. However, the effective depth of field is less. Will be less. Yes. Yeah. That that's my understanding. I may well be wrong. I am not a nuclear scientist. We, I tell you who would know the answer to this: Carl from Fujifilm. Yes. Uh, or James. Actually, Carl did say he'd Carl come and do a, a, a Carl, Carl Cares or some, some Carl other Cares. illiterate feature. Yeah, he, he would feature. know all of this stuff. Him, yeah. him yeah. and uh, James, who used to, I think he's back at Fujifilm now, um, they're product support guys. They, they're they probably the two brainiest and people Nathan, I've ever met. Nathan would know. And Nathan would probably know as well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but Nathan, yeah, we couldn't have Nathan here. Why? No, because it would be, it would just it would just all go wrong. It would, there would be... <laughs> Why would it go it wrong? It would just be too funny. All right. <laughs> just joking, Nick. All right. Uh, but, yeah, those would know the answer. 24, yeah, I'm fairly sure. I'm fairly sure that's the answer. Yeah. What right. do you think? Um, I agree with everything you say mm. um, on, that, on that particular point. Should we do a book before we do this week's interview with the amazing yeah. Gabrielle Metalla? Yes. Um, and uh, last week we had Jane Bowen. I'm a big fan of Jane Bowen's work. Really like her work. Um, this week, though, the book you brought in is... This week, I have got Sam Abel's The Life of a Photograph. Mm, Remember this... Sam? We talked about Sam a couple we of weeks ago, didn't we? Did, we? we did, we did. He had his image, um, I think, plagiarised is the right word to it, use. It was the um, the smoking... The, the horse. The horse thing. On the um, uh, Marlboro. The, cow, the cowboy that was used for the, the, the Marlboro. The untitled yeah. picture, the yes, cowboy. Yes, yes, Yeah. So The Life of a Photograph by Sam Abel is essentially um, a tome of a book, nice big. And what I love about this book, as I did about the um, exposure book last week, Jane Bowen, uh, is that it's a horizontal layout. It's not a portrait layout. Yeah which means that you don't have to have all of the pictures with a great big gutter mark down the middle. I, I hate yeah. that. Uh, admittedly, when some of the images are really wide, that's going to happen. But I hate photo books that are portrait orientation, and then the images are either really small in the middle of a portrait page, yeah. or they go, they spread across the gutter. And that's yeah. do you know why they do that? Why? Because bookstores insist that they, the books are, they stack easier on the shelves. Is and, they, the and they, they travel easier. Yeah. Wow. Um, and probably cheaper to produce because it's it's the easiest you know it's the but it's the most I, normal I, I way. Then why why would it stack easier? Whether it's horizontal. Well, or because if a bookshelf is only that wide, right. and they're all sticking out the edge. 
Oh, uh, they just don't want the big wide ones. Though. Yeah, you could. Re- I tell you, we had a question last week about about producing your own book. Mm-hmm. I think I think Kev, when you do, you should produce a round one. That would that would confuse them. <laughs> <A> round one. <laughs> anyway, back to the book. So Sam Abel's. Um, it says here Sam Abel's wide ranging work uh, here richly represented includes notable photographs for National Geographic magazine uh, and books. In addition, Abel presents photographs from his personal body of work mm. for the first time, and that's the bit I like about this book: the personal stuff. Um, you know, and it's simple things like cafe being in a cafe. It's the stuff. It's almost it's little, the one on the front cover is the is is a, a table. It's got an empty ashtray or plate and uh, the number. The plate number uh you know condiments person crossing the road outside could be fuji cast at four type picture that yeah. um but yeah it's beautiful and it's made the cover of his book is that uh, the kind of work that drives you to to work in the street style that you do yeah i think so i you know the thing is what i really admire about this kind of photography if you like and of course sam abel is a very very well established photographer but the fact that he chose that picture or the curator of the book chose that picture to go on the front cover should tell us of something about what's in front yeah. i'm just going to show neil because he's stretching show. um oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and uh you know we all sit there looking at stuff like this every day of the week and that's that's kind of why we wanted the the fuji cast up four thing to kick off although i've been very remiss <laughs> putting <laughs> stuff in there well I, d- I i get my reminder and i think yep I'm on it, and then and then when four o'clock comes, I wish we'd have gone the 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 four o'clock hour rather than exactly four o'clock. Yeah, because that's what's tripping me up. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Can we change the rules. Yeah, yeah. Get Neil, Neil's in charge of yeah, that now. We'll anyway. tell Neil to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He'd have already done it by the time this yes. episode comes out. Um, so, so that that's why that's what was the driving force behind that that Facebook well, idea. Yeah, yeah, kind of. I, you know, the the fact is, we all see beautiful things every day, uh, and yet we don't take pictures of it. And and actually, we don't know they're beautiful things. Yes. Okay, this is just this is nice light for falling on uh, a salt and pepper pot effectively yeah. uh you know and and there's a little bit of background interest there's a bus and stuff and you know go, you, you know we talk about that thing last week with uh tatsuo and you know the ability to be able to take pictures of people in the streets hey we wouldn't know that bus is this is probably from the 70s i would say this lady her clothes the cars the bus uh, that road is probably very different now in real life and that's what i love about you know candid photography yeah. and this isn't a uh, you know this. This is this is candid, but it's still life. It's it's the table. You know, there's nothing dramatic about it. Yeah, it tells so much, so much about uh, what was going on at the time. So uh, yeah, that's my book of the week. And of do, course, do there's a lot of this stuff. People like the- Sam Abel would be as um, well known and famous these days if they were starting out scratch with that many photographers around. Well, no, that, that's an interesting question, isn't it? It is a very interesting question. And I remember once um, being could, yeah. on a, a panel with the um, one of the curators for Magnum. In uh, We were in Dubai, I think, at the, the first or second Fuji Film Summit or whatever. And I, I spoke to her about books and I said, you know, do, do you not think that like Instagram and the online world is is that affecting book sales? Yeah. And she said it's it's actually not affecting book sales, but they're having to push produce more beautiful books and and make an, there's a proper marketing message about the difference between a book yeah. and you know what's in it. Which you never had to, to do before. Which you never had to do before. No. But interestingly, she did say that remember the books that sell these days are the ones that are selling the most are the ones that offer nostalgia. Oh. So you know. All of the old photographers, we're talking about Magnum photographers here, yeah. who produced the way of getting their work out in back in the day was books. I think Martin Parts produced 300 books, you know, and he's still what? producing them. Yeah, he's wow. got hundreds. Um, but he, you know, they, that was their, that was their way of getting the books out. 
and and now obviously things are online and stuff and so the book sales are the nostalgic ones typically yeah. uh, which tells us a lot about the power of a picture that's the whole point of a well picture. i can get lost for a long time online looking at old pictures of my i, I want i wanted to see um the other day i was trying to find a picture of what was called the arcade in in hartford and um, he used to have a record shop in there called Tracks. Mm. And I thought, oh, I wonder if there's any pictures of the old arcade. And then, and there were. And I started finding these, the, these pictures leading me right round the town of when I was a child. I just, I would pay a fortune to have a, a book. I and mean, there isn't a book of, from that, that period. But you can find odds and, odds and bobs. Yeah. Well, the people in Malmesbury, they self-funded a book called Malmesbury Now and Then. Yeah. And it's, they've just published it. And it's, 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 I don't know why they call it now and then because it's nearly all pictures of the past, but because uh, you can't get pictures of the future, of course. Um, but it's great. It's, it's <laughs> not even with your GFX. It's literally like you know, yeah. Malmsey hasn't changed much, but it is enough for you to look yeah. at a picture and go, "Wow, look at that." Um, we were talking about the Daily Nice um, a few weeks ago, and um, there it is: dailynice dot com. The Daily dot com. Jason Evans is the photographer, and he takes a as the, the Fujicast. You know the four. Yeah, Fujicast at four four Fujicast. What is what is that title? Ask Neil. <laughs> Neil knows. Neil Ford knows. Yeah. Um, but there, he takes a picture and puts it up every day. The Daily Nice, and, and at the moment, there we go. There's a and that's it. It's pretty just stormy a, sea close to where he lives. Just a picture every day. Yeah, just a picture every day. Oh, that's amazing. Isn't I mean, that's it? the idea. Can of, you see the previous pictures or anything? No. Wow. No, you never get to see the ser- the, the, the previous. Every day you go there, a picture loads, and that's it. TheDailyNice.com. I've been following it for years. Incredible idea. Yeah, and no advertising on the. No, nothing. It is a it's a white uh, website with just a picture, pump in the middle. I just like the title, The Daily Nice. TheDailyNice.com. He's been doing it for years. That's lovely. Look up stuff about it. He might be quite an interesting guest, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you contact him? No, it's contact him. Not even a contact. No, I know that would be the difficult bit. (laughs) Jason Evans. There are quite a few articles about him. Um, online that you can read so super right this week's interview um where to start with gabriel matola the philosopher the sociologist the traveler the photographer and the mentor brief resume studied for a, a short while within the four walls of annie Leibovitz's studio there was psychology there's film and photography training in miami and paris a printer an editor a teacher of cinema, five years in Iceland where she produced her first book, An Equal Difference, which we'll talk about. So today's interview I'm going to describe as a, as a dance. And we'll start those moves in New York, Gabrielle, with uh, Annie Leibovitz. How, how did you come to be training within those hallowed walls of her New York studio? Well, I was on spring break. In, so I was in, um, I went to UM in Miami. And unlike everybody else, I went from Miami to New York for spring break. And I'd found Annie's Van Damme studio address on the internet the day before I left. And when I got up to New York, because I knew I'd be moving up to New York after college, I couldn't wait to leave Florida. Um, I called. <laughs> I just called the number and I spoke to a woman who answered and I just... I was friendly and direct and explained the situation. And it was kind of funny that I was in New York for spring break. And she said she would get me in touch with the studio manager and I should call back at five o'clock. So I did. And I explained my situation again to a man named John, who at the time was uh, her studio manager. And he said um, that he could see me on a Wednesday. So I went in with my student portfolio and I waited for two hours in the the waiting room. (laughs) I was getting to the point where... My little, my little ego was like, no, I can't wait any longer. <laughs> they hate me. I don't want to be somewhere where they hate me. Um, but of course, they were just busy. Yeah. 
And he came out and he sat down and he looked through my student work and he said, oh, you know, there's some, there's some good stuff here, but I have to ask you, you know, why do you want to work for, for us? And I just didn't even think and said, I figured I might as well start at the top. So after your initial photographic experiences and working, of course, in Annie Leibovitz's studio, you left America and we'll, we'll, we'll get to your time in Iceland in a while. But why the move to Europe? What, what's it about this continent that draws you to spend your time this side of the Atlantic? Um, well, when I studied uh, in Paris my junior year of college, I went to, uh, again, a three-month uh, course. And I just fell in. I mean, I was in love with French cinema and in love with Europe. My mother's very Europeanized. Uh, we, you know, she even taught us to eat, unlike Americans, like Europeans, you know, where you don't cross your knife and fork over. <laughs> and um, I just, I, my family's first generation Turkish immigrant on my father's side. Um, my mother's family's German and Romanian. Uh, I mean, it brings up the question, what is American? But I just was always, I was always drawn to sort of European sensibilities and art and education and, and history. And I got the opportunity when I was in New York working in a television company. And I don't mind us dancing because that is what my life feels like. <laughs> um, I, I got an opportunity. I was then at the time an editor. By then I decided that I wasn't going to pursue commercial photography hmm. and I would make my living in post-production, which is what I trained at in university. I trained as a filmmaker so um, as well as a photographer. So I, I was making my living as an editor and got the opportunity to do a film in London uh, because the director lost her visa and had to come back to England. So the producer was like, do you want to come to London for eight weeks and edit this film? And I was like, yes, I do. And I will quit my job in New York and pack up all my stuff and put it in storage, what I cannot sell. And I will go do this job and then I will travel and figure out how to not live in the United States for a while. <laughs> and I thought I would go to France eventually, but I got, you know, I got marooned here in London. There's also the psychology though, isn't there? And psychology and cinematography that you've studied. And I would imagine both must help you photographically now. Um, it is. I mean, it, it sort of has a funny reason, like all things. It's because when I decided to become a film major, originally I was an engineering major, and I thought, wow, I looked at my syllabus and I thought I will either jump off the top of this building or throw somebody off by the mid-semester. There's no way I can do this. Oh, and I go see the film school. And when I enrolled in the film school, they because it's not a real career, <laughs> you know, then back then in 92 or 3, um, they were like, you have to double major in a liberal arts. You have to pick a liberal arts module. Like you have to pick something. And I was like, well... I'm really interested in writing and psychology. My, 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 my mom's a licensed clinical social worker. My, my stepfather is a psychologist, you know, mm. my father's a pharmaceutical chemist. So I, um, I just went for psychology and it, it can, it, it's the study of human thought and development. I mean, so like what better backbone could you possibly want for cinema or photography when you're dealing with expressing ideas and concepts and emotions and, and trying to get them across to other people. I certainly think that's important for, for uh, this next question I have, because I, I first became really aware of your work following some articles and then a film by someone we fondly refer to on the show often, Sean Tucker, and his, his film about photographing strangers. And he talked at length about how you approach that one facet of photography that I think frightens the living daylights out of most photographers, though they'd, they'd dearly like to do it. And you, you have this inquisitiveness about strangers 
strangers, which I love. Um, but w- was it always that easy just to approach people in the street for their portraits? Because you just look entirely at ease doing so. <laughs> yeah. And inside, I'm losing my mind. You know, I'm very nervous on the inside, but on the outside, I look calm. I mean, I'm not always a complete wreck or anything like that. I mean, at the beginning, when I started photography in the 90s at school, I think it was like 92, um, I was terrified to approach anybody, <laughs> not just strangers, but friends too. And gradually, it's just a process of exposure. And I think that I only really consciously made the decision to make myself do it daily after I had uh, dinner with John Manel, who, who operates the Handle Portrait Per Day on Instagram. I'd met him at an Olympus exhibition. And he, you know, he, we'd met at the, at the exhibition and made plans to go have uh, dinner. And we did. And we had a walk and a talk. And it was one of those wonderful meetings. And I just thought, well, maybe I just need to force myself to just do this every day because he, he does it literally every day. So for a year, I did that. I still feel fear when I do it. It looks easy, but it's still, there is still always an obstacle. There's always a, almost always a hesitation that I have to overcome. And it's always a question of how quickly I overcome it, not like if it's there or not. It's always there. Now, I noticed in the film that you suggested that you keep your approaches quite short. Um, is that a trick? At the beginning, I would go up to people and be like, so I'm trying to like overcome my fear of photographing strangers and I'm doing, <laughs> I'm trying to do it every day. I just get a blank stare or I'd get this, I'd feel them shrinking into themselves, like okay. away from me. And I would be like, okay, all right, too much information. So I just started to simplify it. And eventually, you know, it depends on how I'm feeling on the day or what the situation is, but I'll just say, can I make a portrait of you or a picture or um, can I make a photograph of you? Or I'd really like to take your picture. Can, is that all right? Um, the other night I did a portrait on, uh, of a guy in a, like a leopard print coat and a hat eating chips in Soho. I was on a, a workshop with Josh Jackson and we were walking back to meet the group and I, and they, we all spotted him and I just went, I'll be right back. And I just walked over to him and said, would it upset you if I asked to make a picture of you? Cause I just felt like he probably gets that a lot. Mm. So I didn't want to upset him. And he just looked at me and he was like, no, no. I mean, and it was, we had this like chat about, um, you know, he's an actor and uh, we didn't really get through what kind of an actor, but just, that, uh, you know, what should I do? And I just said, oh, just keep eating your chips. You know, you don't have to do anything. And so he just did. He just kept eating his chips. And I took some pictures. And then finally I said, are you going to look up at me? And he did. <laughs> and that was the picture. Because he, he literally just went into the chips. <laughs> so, I mean, every encounter is different. Yeah. yeah also, I, I can, yeah, I can just feel people, they either, they, it's like a dance. They either come, they either come and meet you or they pull away. Mm. And sometimes the pulling away isn't necessarily a rejection. It's just fear and sometimes those are the people that are the most open and warm once you get past that initial meeting. It's really, it is helping me to deal with certain aspects of rejection and anxiety and stuff, which result in depression. Does it, does it make you more, um, if somebody does reject you or says no, um, are you able to say, okay, fine, yeah. or, or yeah. do you push it further? Not all. It depends on the situation. It really depends. Sometimes it's a hard no. Right. And, and sometimes, sometimes I push it a little bit and sometimes I, I get through and sometimes I don't. But what I'm learning to do is not take rejection personally, which I think is so hard for all of us. Mm. It's so hard. It hasn't translated to my romantic life, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for that. But it is, it is translating into other interactions and stuff. 
And it, it does make me feel much more part of the world. I feel like I'm with people when I'm on the street. Uh, we spoke to a photographer a while ago called Ian McDonald, who's a paramedic in, um, in Canada, or was, and he suffers from PTSD and depression. He said exactly that, that getting out on the street was a real tonic to him, photograph- photographically getting out on the street. Definitely. I think just connecting with your environment and connecting with people in it, not being afraid of each other. We're so driven to be afraid of each other. And why? I mean, I know that there are there are definitely, especially in London, situations which one can get into, which could be dangerous potentially. And I understand that for the most part, I find most people are just nice people mm. getting on with their lives. And it's a tragedy that we live in fear of each other so much because we're here together on this earth in this moment. And, and this is all we have and we're all part of it. So why not connect? You know, why not? talk to each other I, I why not discuss how much we really don't want to go to work today mm. <laughs> like on the tube in the morning mm. i don't know you know it's just like it's just nice to smile i smile at people a lot and when i get a smile back it just lights me up and you, you can you can try that next time you're on the tube then who wants to go to work today <laughs> i've thought about saying i but then, then they'll think i'm crazy and like, people in new york do it all the time do they do they I mean, not all the time, but it's not unusual for somebody to just start speaking on the, on the train. So they're more auditory on the on a, on a train in New York, are they? Yeah, they are. I mean, like sometimes I even had a conductor once start telling, talking about his kid going to college in the morning, like on the on, telling us a story on the way to work. It was lovely. I mean, when the guys come on to busk or they come on to ask for money, I always I always feel the the room change when that happens. I feel everyone like shut down um, and go into D mode more so than they already are. And I, I, I wonder what it would feel like to do that on a train and say, you know, can I have everyone's attention? I'm sorry to bother you. I think I'm going to ask for money. Just wondering if you're feeling, <laughs> if you're feeling like uh, the dread of going to work today. And I just wanted to connect with you on that because I know how hard that is. Hey, I, yeah. think, I, th- I, I hear a project. Can you imagine the, the very first photographs after making your statement? I don't know. I mean, I, I made a post the other day um, just a few days ago of a, of a, of a woman leaning her head into the side of the tube and it was just basically it was like a hey this is monday morning and if you're going into monday like this take some time for yourself today to just look mm. at something beautiful it can be anything you like just do something for you you know find the beauty in your work day find maybe it's your favorite meal maybe it's the nice chair that you're sitting on just anything you know because i know how hard it can be to feel like you're a prisoner of time for money that you don't want to be in what what piques your curiosity in, in people and projects maybe? Who who is a Gabrielle Mattel person or project? Everything. I just I'm curious about people. I just um it's like having a friend on the planet, you know? It's just like what are, what is it like to be alive for you? And everyone's got their unique set of experiences and their ideas and their perspective and I'm interested in hearing about it. I, every person is a, a story, yeah. has, has stories. And you say you feel more when you're making street portraits rather than see. Um, I mean, I'll see something, but I'll feel the sense of, of, of a situation. So rather than getting tied down to the viewfinder and really, really trying to overcompose a picture, I'll, I'll loosen up a bit and I'll, I'll, I'll not look through the camera sometimes. You know, I won't try and frame the photograph to death. 
sometimes you just have to go with the feeling of what you feel when you see something and put the camera up and take the picture. Um, uh, let's bring in the Kawasaki. The bike features in, in one of your personal projects in particular. Um, and if you go to, to uh, Gabrielle's website, Henge to Henge is, is, is definitely a project you want to look at. I mean, that was a journey and a half, wasn't it? I'm not yeah. sure you could have covered... Uh, what you did in a car quite so easily, certainly not the ice and leg. But let, let's explain the project. So you start in Amesbury at one hinge, and the the idea is to do what? Two, twofold. The idea is to get a motorcycle to Reykjavik so I can have one there because I'm living in, in Iceland at the time, and also go visit the Arctic Henge in, in the northern eastern part of Iceland. So they built like a kind of Stonehenge tribute. They're of their own making, you know, it's it's mm. pagan and it's it's open, it's non-religious, it's sort of a place to gather and, and look and celebrate. Um, and so I wanted to drive the bike. I thought, well, I'm, if I'm going to do this, I might as well do this and make a project out of it. And, and wouldn't it be kind of, it kind of makes sense to bookend it with these two henges. Uh, it gives me a goal. And I did, so I did. So I flew to London, bought a motorcycle, a little 250 Kawasaki flat tracker, with sort of on off-road tires. And I got introduced to an amazing mechanic by the guy who sold me the bike. And her name is Karen and she's at Zenith Motorcycles. And I took the bike to her, even though Paul who sold the bike to me is a really, you know, he's a really avid, fastidious Kawasaki, particularly like motorcyclist and knows a lot about bikes and fixes bikes and builds bikes. Um, I took it to Karen just to get it once over checked and um, felt really confident getting on the road. And then I just, I planned out how long I thought I could sit on that bike for and did a test run up to Malice in in Suffolk, which is always farther than I think it's going to be. It feels like it's short, but it's not. Suffolk is. I was thinking sometimes it's quicker to fly to Spain than it is to drive to yeah. some of the parts of Suffolk. What is it about Suffolk? It's like that. Know. It's like never it's, ending. It is never ending. And it's actually not, not one of the lar- it's not one of the largest counties in the country at all. No, but to get there, it just always takes longer in a car or, 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 or on a bike than I ever think it will. And it's that yeah. it's that bike that that, that gives you uh, such freedom, isn't it? And and you, you do talk about this and, and it addresses the and you've talked about the anxiety you feel as well. It, it addresses some of those anxiety problems, doesn't it? Well yeah, I mean when you get on a bike your brain really has something to worry about so all the other stuff that you were thinking about before your life your your work your love life whatever it is you're obsessing about or worrying about your brain shuts off and goes right now i must keep you alive yeah i remember you saying that in the film i like that i did chuckle just if i'm feeling anxious as soon as i get on a bike i don't feel anxious anymore anxiety like turns into excitement and focus so that goes really well with getting myself into the state of mind i need to be in to Mm. make pictures because I think sometimes we can all get very anxious about making the picture so much so that we stop paying attention to our curiosity. And, you know, we start paying attention to what if and how should we do this instead of just being in our curiosity, you know? I, I agree with that. I think sometimes photographers do suffer from block. And, and I think what you've described is exactly what happens. Yeah, so that, so naturally, I mean, I just, these are all, I don't really make, I don't know how this all makes sense, but these are all just things that I love to do. Mm. And they're kind of finding ways into my life to, to combine. They're kind of combining as I do them. Um, was never a plan to be like, I will buy a motorcycle and make photographic projects. It's just like, I love a motorcycle. I need one. Here's a, here's an opportunity to make a project. And I, I was just able to allow myself to explore. And because it was a small bike, I took B roads. I wasn't on the highway. So I saw a lot of the 
parts of the countries I traveled through that you wouldn't see if you just drove through on the motorway. Um, and th- this is a good time as well to, to mention uh, Iceland, because um, whilst mo- mo- many people are desperate to visit, many photographers are desperate to visit Iceland as part of their, their uh, I don't know, photographic bucket list, I, I suppose. You you had the chance to spend five years there, and it was and it was time that was well spent because it spawned your first book, An Equal Difference. Um, what was it about the country that, that truly inspired you, that, that drew you there? They were... Early, like in the in the crash of two thousand and eight, they were just talking about things that we weren't talking about. I mean, yes, the, the they were prosecuting their banking criminals more than anybody else, um, uh, but they were talking about behaviors that led to the crash, and nobody was really doing that. And I had heard one or read one article in a paper about um, the overmasculinization of the mentality and the behavior that led to this kind of group mentality ultimately that carried people along in this behavior that didn't really want to do it, but everybody else was doing it. And you see that in like, I used to be a skateboarder and hang out with like gangs of guys. And like, you know, you're in that, you're in that mentality of, well, we're just going to do what everyone else is doing because it's easier than saying no. And I thought, wow, who are these people on this rock in the North Atlantic? And why are they talking about this like this? And why is no one else? And then of course, um, you know, the, these uh, gender equality and equal living metrics and all of that started coming out and they kept topping these charts. And I was like, well, what does that actually mean in their world? Like, what are their people like? Are they like just better people? Um, are they more evolved or something? So I was curious to go and talk to these people. And um, then, the, then the, obviously the volcano erupted and that brought up all sorts of more conversations in the mm. press about their green energy um, policies and and the fact that they are just very blessed with their global position in terms of you know wind water and not so much solar but mostly you know and volcanic power so I it took five years to get from the idea to Iceland but the idea was just to go talk to people so did you plan or, or think that a book would naturally organically develop out of this there was no plan for a book it was just let's go talk to as many people as I can fit in in a week. And I think I did 26. I had 26 portrait sessions in one week, thanks very much to a woman who I was put in touch with through a friend of mine in New York, who was, uh, his wife was a travel agent and they were working together with this, with this company. And I'd seen them on Instagram and, and, and know, knew that they were going to Iceland frequently. So I, I called them first and just got put together with this woman, Anita. And she just, she just took it on fully. She just said, wow, I, I, all right, what do you, I told her what I wanted to do. I think originally I just wanted to meet her for a coffee. And she was like, I have people for you. I know. And she just started sending me lists of names and pictures and stories. And just with her put together a schedule of people and helped me book people. And just when I landed, I had a schedule of probably about 20 people and then just filled in some more because people would say, you should talk to this person or you should talk to that person. And so I did. It's clearly a place far beyond the obvious black sand beaches and aircraft crash site images, although I know you've photographed that that, that particular aircraft. What would be your advice for photographers visiting the country? You, you need to go to the places, but just enjoy it for yourself yeah. and maybe you know, explore other parts that haven't been explored. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think Iceland is so oversubscribed. I, I kind of, there's a part of me that dies a little bit thinking about like yet more people unleashed on the, on the terrain to go running around photographing it because unfortunately not everybody has the same amount of respect for nature no. as the people who live there. Nice. And we've watched, we've, you know, I've watched along with natives as like more and more and more people come 
how it's destroying the nature that is so beautiful there because people are not not um, treating it with respect or so be respectful. And I'm sure there's lots of photographers out there too that would be very respectful. Yeah. But, you know, be respectful of, of, of the barriers they've put up in terms of asking you not to go places now. Uh, read the signs. Unfortunately, there didn't used to be them. But because people behave in certain ways and repeatedly they've had to put them up. Yeah. There's a couple of funny pictures in An Equal Difference. One of a guy painting a white line along the edge of a cliff. And I was visiting with friends and I asked him what he was doing. He was like, yeah, well, the guy jumped, you know, he fell off the cliff and died. So we need to put a warning. And I was oh, like, but word. isn't the edge of the cliff a warning? He's like, that's what we thought. Yeah. You're, you're promoting an equal difference at the moment. You're promoting it mainly through Instagram. Uh, is that right? Or Yeah, correct. I'm, 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 I'm posting snippets of, of the book and pictures um, from the book on on the unequal difference account, but I'm also sharing it on my main account, which has quite a lot more um, people involved in that community. And I'm I'm a lot I'm I'm just in a much better place with my ability to promote it because I feel like I've had quite a lot of distance from when it was published, and it's it's just it's something it's a wonderful book, and it's just something that is still as relevant now as it, it was when I wrote it. So it's been really interesting to see the uptakes. I've co- I've sold quite a few books in January. I, I offered free shipping, which I think helped. You know, it's just wonderful to see the book getting out there and getting the feedback that I'm getting from people who are reading it. So what's happening next in your photographic career? I know I know you do a lot of speaking engagements. What, what do you plan photographically? I'm, I'm thinking as a biker, you're, you're a free spirit. I, w- I want to believe that you have a that, that sort of wandering spirit about you. My wandering spirit is actually quite happy to be in London for a period of time because it did a lot of wandering last year mm. and I'm tired and I really enjoy being in one place and I love London. So I'm going to stick around here for a bit and continue on exploring the street and seeing what I can develop there. But I also have a large back catalogue of images to look through, especially from this past summer where I did a, a two-month trip to Scotland. So mm. I took a bigger bike and I did the Orkney Islands and the Hebrides and Sky and the Highlands. And I went to, Ob- you know, Oban and then back around and through and into Edinburgh. And I stayed on Portobello Beach for a month, which is where Sean met up with me and, and shot that um, the film. So I haven't really, I've pulled some photographs from it, but I really haven't looked through that catalogue. I'm bringing out uh, like a 2019 collection, also inspired by Mr. Tucker, um, of work and, and words from last year, from that body of work. And um, there's, you know, there's a few things in the distant boil, but like I'm not, I'm not entirely sure exactly what will come first. They seem to tell me themselves. Thanks to Gabrielle Matola uh, for her time on the interview this week. You can see more of Gabrielle's work and read about her travels, personal projects and street work by going to Gabrielle Matola. Uh, that's Gabrielle Matola, M-O-T-O-L-A dot com. And you can connect direct for mentoring now too. And uh, for this, it's worth visiting the, the Patreon link on Gabrielle's website. Uh, and I must say, I'm looking forward to actually spending, we, we discussed spending a little bit of time, Kev, uh, visiting a, uh, an art gallery. And I think, that's, I think that's a wonderful idea. I love that sort of stuff. Oh, you never do that with me. The photo, well, <laughs> we do, we go and stay away in hotels and stuff, you oh, and I. Yeah. I get the nice room. Yeah. You get the cupboard at the back. Yeah. yeah. We were just discussing, by the way, where we were talking about Jason Evans' um, idea of the daily nice, you, which you, you love that as an idea. I absolutely right? adore it, yeah. And we did find it. If you click on the picture, yes, you do see his email address. So uh, do you know what? I'll reach out and see if he'll Yeah. He'll be interested in having a chat about it. I'm not, I'm not quite sure... <laughs> 
one of the questions would, do you like that? Yeah, like that's Daily Nice. Do you like that one? Yeah, that was Daily Nice. I think it'd be great. Well, I think it's a fascinating story. It's so simple. And I, and I really applaud him for not, not even like an affiliate link or anything like that. It's just purely to give people a nice feeling for the day. Talking of simplicity, then Kev mentioned one, um, which, was, which is on, on Facebook, which is the same photo of Jeff Goldblum every day, which I, I, I would imagine now that Gemma is practically salivating at the thought of the same picture of Jeff Goldblum every single day. And that's all it's called. The same photo of Jeff Goldblum every day. And it is the same is. photo every day. Well, I was I was sort of tapping down thinking, it can't. yeah, it is. It really is. It's got 900,000 followers. <laughs> no. Is it? Yeah, 334,000 uh, people like it. 333,000 follow it. So that's separate. So that's 600, not 900. <laughs> that's an enormous amount of people but following look, and have every, you look so at look at the picture today right so today he's Should posted it let's, go, let's, go, let's to go to the top top there we go so he's posted 13, that hours, ago. 13 hours ago yeah 542 comments <laughs> 444 <laughs> shares 3.3 thousand likes it's the same picture every day and it has been for three years <laughs> it's exactly the same picture what sort of comments does he get do uh, do Right. Okay. So no, this person's done it. Two hundred and one days. They they've commented every single day for two hundred and one oh, days. So they've got like little competitions going on. So now people have to keep up the comments. The same comment uh, every. <laughs> we should introduce Neil Ford to them. He could <laughs> he could sort out that administrative mess. In a, but actually, in a heartbeat. That, uh, now let's see. I've, I've got some friends that like the page. Let's see. You're going to be on there, surely, aren't you? I won't be on there. No. Leslie Burdett. Leslie Burdett fa- likes this. Oh, Leslie, you. Listening? I wouldn't have thought that would be Leslie's cup of tea. In fact, ironically, and this is totally by chance, the next question I'm going to read out is from the lovely Leslie Burdett. Well, Facundo Santana's on there. (laughs) Now, if I put anybody on the the same picture of Jeff Goldblum every day, Facundo (laughs) Santana would not be... I mean, his work is... Well, like, Leslie's is. Uh, Yeah. But it's great, but I I wouldn't have pinned you down as wanting to be the member of a club that is the same photo of Jeff Goldblum every day. But look, Ian Weldon's on there. Ian Weldon... The same photo of Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum every, every day. day Ian yeah. Weldon. Wow. wow. Oh, there we go. Amazing. So it has some unlike, unlikely followers. But you but need a bit uh, of humour in your life, don't you? You do. Well, the same photo of Jeff Goldblum every day will certainly serve you up that. So. So, Leslie, that was Leslie. a nice sort of dovetailed, segwayed part. And it was it? totally yeah. um, yes. incongruous. In, yeah. Incongruous. 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 That's right. <laughs> I have a technical question for you. I experiment all the time with double exposures with my XT2 and 3s at uh, weddings and okay. my personal projects. Yeah. And I was wondering if there is any way of saving the original raw images as well as the combined double exposure JPEG. Keep up the good work, gents, especially the comedy aspect, please. Well, I hope He's you find that bit quite, quite funny. Um, <laughs> Leslie, so uh, yeah, le- so this is a Leslie Jeff Goldblum fan Burdett. <laughs> Uh, so do you know what I don't know the answer to this because I never do double exposures I know that it kicks out JPEGs yes it does as the exposure and that's about as far as my knowledge goes I thought that it saved the individual raw files as well on the XT3 at least I did think that I will uh, Leslie I'm really sorry I can't can't kind of give you a definitive answer i'm sure the people on the facebook group will help us out or i will um take the time to to look at it for you but yeah i thought the raw files were safe it doesn't combine the raw files i know that much uh, and it why would it because raw files are raw files that's the whole point of them yeah because it never used to do the raw files for the film exposure uh, when you were doing film bracketing it wouldn't save the raw files either now it does save the raw file but it saves a raw file for each film bracketed shot mm. 
which is crazy because you take three film, three pictures in different film simulations. They're the same picture. It just processes them three times. Okay. Yeah, it also saves three raw files, mm. which are identical. Neil's fallen into a coma. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you still. <laughs> so, well, so I the hope that doesn't may, answer may, your question. <laughs> maybe the best place is the, the Facebook group there. Yeah. Where, where an awful we'll lot get of people, to the bottom of that yeah. because I, I, it's something that, that intrigues me, actually. See, live questioning as we go, as we go along. Uh, another techie one, friend of the show, James Sauls. Um, hi, I have a, a gear question that I just wanted your thoughts on. I'm, I'm looking to either purchase a second-hand X-T3. Kev, are yours up for sale, he says in brackets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or a new 5612 or 2314. I am limiting myself to just the one purchase for the new year to help step up my low-light game. I do okay, but the low-light number of uh, UK churches and awful lighting at times is a real challenge for me. Mm. I know I can improve how I work and how I approach these situations, and will do, but I also want to add a new bit of gear to, to help. He currently shoots with an X-T2, uh, 23F2, and an X-H1, 3514, or a 50F2, depending on the space that he has. So, uh, yeah, what do, you, what do you think? I mean, I... I 5612. 5612. Yeah. Know, the other day I used it at... Um, a couple of weeks ago now, at a wedding. Um, it, was, it was pretty dark. It was in a sort of basement area um, doing some dancing. And uh, it was a, what I might, might call a more intimate dance floor by the... by the well, It wasn't right at the close of the evening, but certainly getting on towards it. And... Um, I thought, well, you've got to be very, very careful how you sort of charge into the dance floor with your with your ten twenty four with with a little bit of flash, mm. because people are going to get a little bit, you know. After a while, they're like, "I'm oh, not you again." So I, I I used the fifty six in a low light condition with people moving around, not not a great amount of light to work with, and I I found it worked really really nicely. It's really cool. And it's not all about obviously having to get every single image no. sharp as a sharp thing from Sharp Town. Yeah, I think with the especially with the um you know with the back button focusing stuff. It's it's mm. it's really cool, and and the continuous focus on the XT3 and the X Pro, and now the X Pro 3 continuous focus with the 56 1.2 is a dream. Oh. Uh, no, well I'd go 56 because 35 and 23 is the, the difference between yeah, yeah. one step back and one step forward, yeah, yeah, and then a step to the left. So that 23 1.4 is a great lens as well. I mean, I it use is. that a lot during the day. That's yep. my 35 mil equivalent, of course. I shoot everything basically on 23 1.4, 56 1.2. Well, they're the two lenses I use: 23 1.4, 56 1.2, and then the 10-24 comes out every now. And then, okay, so um, I have a question. This, well, it's from two different people, but it's the same question. Uh, so this is from Matt um, and Mel, Matt and Mel, Matt and Mel show, Mel Stewart and Matt doesn't give his surname, um, although I think it's Campagna. And uh, essentially, the question is I'm not going to read them both out, but the question is, um, do you think the XT4 will be called XT4 because four is an unlucky number? Oh, we've mentioned this last week, uh, two weeks ago rather, at the uh, at the the 52nd anniversary episode, didn't we? Yeah, and the fact, yeah. do you remember we, I asked Andreas that and he looked at me, he didn't really answer, did he? Yeah, but they've announced it now. So mm. on the 26th of February, yep. they will um, do the product release, uh, not release, but product announcement, which is two days from now if that's if you're listening on the monday so next week our plan neil and i is to so this is the episode on the 2nd of march is to well we might do something a little bit interesting i think we might uh head up to london have a play with something new see if we can get a mucky pause on something uh, that has a four in its name and um and, and report back to you guys so yeah, yeah so that'll be, That's ne- gonna be a special special edition that'll be the second of march edition yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, they have announced it we're not we're not talking out of line here it is called the xt4 yeah i mean four is is yeah. typically an unlucky number apparently in asia however 
there there is a Canon One D Mark Four. There's a Nikon D Four X, and there's, yeah. there's lots of fours so going they around. Don't, they don't feel that squeamish. Don't think it's clearly. that bad. No. Yeah, no. I'm excited by that camera, though. I have to say. Are you likely to? Um, is that going to be one? Well, I don't I mean, know. Having just got the X Pro Three and really loving your X Pro Three, I know you love your X Pro Three. Well, I haven't just and got now. Along comes another camera. Uh, well, I haven't just got an X Pro Three and a GFX. Uh, then yeah, the, the 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 shackles are shackles. The shackles. Shackles. The shackles are running low, and I, I am. I have to say, I am intrigued. I don't know anything about the um, XT4 yet, yeah. of course, but I am intrigued that it's coming quite so soon after the XT3. And, you know, I want to see what they've done with it. And uh, kind of for that reason, I haven't bought an X100V yet. Are you holding out? I don't know, yeah. yeah. I, can't, I can't possibly throw the, my money at both of them. The video thing is, is uh, yeah. for me, the video has got to be spot on with this That's one. I'm it. so looking forward to this This playing around with this camera that's what i would use it for it's the yeah. video stuff you know that's that's because mm. the stills moment, wise i've got every, all the bases covered well at the moment i've got two xt3s um an xh1 and the x100f which is which is there mm. um so I've, I've even thought about going back to just having two cameras two xt4s if it delivers the the powerful punch that i want from the video the the uh, and there's there's been a few things that are really hopeful happening with the um with the focusing system mm. then i i would be very happy to say two xt4s and that's it yeah see uh, same for me I, I want the video capabilities and i want to see what that is um because i will i want one to lock off in the studio for youtube yeah, yeah. i don't want to worry about taking it um I'm you can happy. lock your xt3 off quite well yeah but only have one of those so i've oh, got okay. i've got an x pro 3 and an xt3 they're right. my wedding cameras at the uh, minute because right. they're both the latest sensors yeah. so i i, I i'm they are more than capable. I'm I'm happy with them, mm. but if I can get a uh, another XT body um, to lock off in the studio for filming, then then so be it. And if that happens to be uh, an XT4 or an XT3, it doesn't really matter. Um, but I'm waiting until the XT4 comes along before I make my decision on oh. whether I get an XT4 or an X100V to go along with my hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other cameras. I'm, I am about to sell a load of them. It's like a museum. I your know. place, it really I'm gonna is. Get, I'm going to sell loads. Um, so, reviews before we have uh, some more. Uh, one other question. I think we've got time for another couple of questions then. Then the disaster stories. Um, Jose. Jose? Uh, Jose. Jose. Uh, Jose. Well, uh, I was always confused about Jose um, the uh, Mourinho because, of course, it should be Jose, shouldn't it? He's, he's a Jose. Why is he a Jose? Nobody else is a Jose. Because he's the special one. Oh. Um, this is Jose. Jose. Tubio. Um, from Canada. Kevin and Neil produce an entertaining and informative podcast for all the photographers. For all the photographers. Uh, great banter and stories each week make it very worthwhile. Keep up the fantastic work. Amigos. Looking forward to future episodes. This is from Sluis. 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 Double L E W D I S. This is one of your Welsh Ludis. brethren. Educational and entertaining. This has yeah. been such a refreshing podcast to, uh, for learning more about photography and running a photography business. Although the hosts are both Fuji users, it isn't strictly Fuji orientated, no. which is excellent. Their interviews, guests, and rapport are excellent. Thanks for making this show and keep casting. Chludis. Chludis and Jose. <laughs> There's a lot of phlegmy words. To I'm going to go and have a shower. Jose. Remember this, though. You're our favourite listener and we mean it. If you'd like to send a review, then uh, well, do so, please, on the um, on the Apple Podcasts or, or wherever you get your podcasts. That would be very much appreciated. There is a button on the website, on the menu, well, main menu, yeah, that yeah. says, leave a review here. And uh, we, <laughs> last month, we ran out of the, um, uh, we, <laughs> we ran out of the, the amount of times you're allowed to click it, apparently. 
Oh, is there, a, is there a limit? Yeah, there does appear to be a limit. Oh. Yeah. Did they send you a naughty boy email? Yeah, it did send me a naughty boy email. Oh. I, I put it in that file that's, you know, I'll think about this file oh. <laughs> at some stage. Well, okay, oh, please only click that button, yeah, that link, if <laughs> no. you are going to leave a review. Yeah. Don't just click it. No, God, no. And don't just click, 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 click it. No. Right, your, your question, isn't it? Is it that's what turn? people do with Google Google ads, isn't it? Is that what they do? They, they search for their, their nemesis's name in business, and then they just click anymore. on their adverts. No, it doesn't work anymore now, though. Does it because don't you have to be clicking on a doesn't it work out that you're from the same um does, does it not no i wouldn't have thought so if you just click it once it will take it if you repeatedly click it will yeah. will, will well that's what i thought yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but people are paying like five pound to click for these things these days wow really yeah Whew. yeah so sorry if i've cost you money <laughs> all right so this is um you wouldn't do that this, I no i wouldn't do that uh this is uh, richard from abu dhabi uh, he says, Happy New Year, Neil, Kevin and families. That's nice. Oh, thank you. Happy originally, New Year to you too. Originally from the UK, I now live in Abu Dhabi yeah. um, with my wife and three children. Uh, six, three and one-year-olds. I especially enjoy using my X100F and X3. Abu Dhabi is where they have the um, uh, all the police cars, the Lamborghinis, aren't they? Isn't that Abu Dhabi? Yeah, Abu Dhabi and Dubai. And, yeah. And, uh, Very lardy da It is. Where did that one come from? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> XE3. Uh, so using my X100F and XE3 to create family photos and sometimes video too. I would kindly welcome some advice on how to get the best photographs images in bright sunlight yeah and with limited time for post-production well, it will young, be there won't it three young kids yeah. equals yeah. not much three to, uh, free time i would especially like any advice regarding techniques before or during or, and or, or the taking of the pictures rather than post enhancements especially aimed at fujifilm cameras i love the filter fujifilm look and would like to know any settings or techniques you can recommend in bright sunlight to ensure the rich colors are captured in sunlight he's he's really run rubbing in the fact we don't get any sunlight here <laughs> and as much dynamic range as possible yeah. i would also welcome your view on using polarizers in these situations many thanks richard sunlight well, from dubai I would abu dhabi i would certainly be popping a um a polarizer on that um yeah and maybe a reflector actually it depends how i don't know well how hands-on you want to be but sometimes that sun behind you with a rim light coming around the head which can be absolutely beautiful way of working so don't forget the x100f has got a three-stop nd filter yep, built in for has, a start yep. and both the x100f and the xe3 also have electronic shutters so with the electronic shutter you can shoot up to one thirty-two thousandth of a second incredibly fast so regardless how bright the light is even in abu dhabi you will still be able to get an exposure at one thirty-two thousandth of a second yeah. more than likely i would have thought it's got to be really bright otherwise um now you may not necessarily be able to shoot at f2 on at that depending on how bright it is but you you know you're certainly not going to be forced down the route of using f16 and yeah. and and everything so electronic shutter now however of course he does have three young children six three and one year olds which are going to be running around a bit so the electronic shutter does present some issues that with um kind of banding or not banding so much but um like warp warped images sometimes depending on the motion so uh, you just need to check that really uh, yeah other than that i mean it becomes a technical thing you you might want to start thinking about spot metering rather than um, matrix if that's what you're doing just to try and get the the exposure for the right on the on the child children your lovely children you have mm. um but yeah I, I mean reflectors and all that kind of stuff if it's portraits that's absolutely fine but if it's just candid running around pictures that's that's not going to be a little bit more difficult um you know you might i don't know it depends if this is in your you might have a lovely loft conversion type property in abu dhabi with lots of window light yeah. so maybe you could get a scrim put in i hate that word scrim, scrim i love that word scrim scrim, scrim. I hate it scrim. anybody got a scrim yeah i need a big i need a big scrim bring me the biggest scrim you can find yeah <laughs> monty has big scrims all the time <laughs> um 
yeah, yeah that's, that's so that kind of stuff really but yeah I, I think the electronic shutter is something to explore if you have not done so already Richard I think I'd be moving into a, a studio definitely to do all my photography with that much sunlight bouncing around well, you, you, I love Abu Dhabi what, as well what you might need to do is move your Ferraris and your Lamborghinis <laughs> out onto the street park them out there everybody's got one out there so it's not like you need to protect it and and, uh, and turn that into a studio hmm. job sorted Mm. Not everybody lives like that in those countries. I know, I know the political thing before you write in. Mm. Um, here's one from, um, what should we go? Uh, do you want to go Rivki Lockyer or Ron Villar? Uh, let's go Rivki. I've heard from her for a while. Rivki, friend of the show. Hi, Kev, Neil. First of all, thanks for the wonderful podcast. I listen on my daily photo nature walks. You guys are hilarious and informative. Well, Kev's both of those, yes. Thanks for keeping me entertained. On to my question. I'm an experienced photographer. We know that, yeah. I shot Canon for about 30 years. Some of, some of Rifke's work's amazing, isn't mm. it? Um, starting with film, then moving to DSLR and transitioned to Fujifilm a few years back. I recently decided to go back to basics, dust off the old analogue film gear. I have uh, my late father's uh, Nicomatic 35mm SLR gathering dust in my closet. I sent that in for a good cleaning and also ordered a Minolta body on eBay. Uh, while I'm waiting for those to arrive, I was wondering if you two had any experience shooting film or any tips to offer on the process. Uh, I'm not looking to, uh, to do my own developing at this point, but any feedback on gear and shooting process would be welcome. See, that's the bit that I really enjoyed about film, was the processing part, actually. Yeah. So my, my, my advice would have been slow life right down, get, get a red light, put some tape around the bathroom um, uh, door and, and just enjoy... Enjoy watching them come to life again. Um, I, I, did I, I loved that part of it. And I, I, I've started shooting with my Nikon F5 a bit more again. You can get tanks that you can... You can um, well, yeah, you can... Agitate the tanks yeah, that you yeah, can develop yeah. at home. You yeah, don't and then, even, and then you, you don't... Yeah, you don't, I'm not, not talking about you have to do the paper, yeah. or work, work the papers, but but obviously you could you know, take the film and then scan it, couldn't you, yeah. after, after you've yeah, yeah, yeah. developed your film? Yeah. Um, that's quite... That, that's one thing I would do. But I, I did a I did, uh, little bit of film. I never really did anything like that. I've got film do feel, cameras. Do you feel you've missed out by not doing that? No, I don't feel I've missed out. And, and also, I, I don't feel like I have the patience for it. No? No. I don't know. Maybe I would. I don't know. I, 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 I What I can te- definitely tell you, though, is I love yeah. the look of a well-developed film yes. print. The smell of developer in the morning. I think we said it last week, didn't we? You know, the, the irony that we spend all this money on modern yeah. cameras and then we spend hours processing them to try and look like old films. I, I spent a couple of weeks ago, I went to see Fran May, who is a uh, wonderful t- photographer uh, near Bath. Um, and um, she still prints her, her own work. She... Um, her 1974 to 1978 body of work is is revered by many and actually Bill Brandt was her mentor and he um, he he mentioned to her when she took some prints when she was a student she took prints to see him apparently he was sat in a in a room and he said come in and and she went in and sat on a, a stool and it, this sounds very Dickensian but there was a there was a, a flickering flame he was sat next to him I and mean, he would have been quite old then I think mm. it was it was a and she was sat on this stall while he he sort of fl- flicked through the portfolio that she'd uh, she'd brought along, and um, and you can imagine that sitting opposite Bill Brandt, yeah. thinking, "Oh my God, what are you going to say?" Yeah. And eventually he looked up and said, "You know, Fran, keep these because one day these pictures will be worth an awful lot, and in terms of you know, yeah, yeah, memory and nostalgia, nostalgia." And we talk about that all the time. Yeah. And uh, but she still prints, and it was fantastic to go and interview her. Yeah. And she said, "Would you like to see the dark rooms?" And I said, Fran, you bet I would. I was, you know, in there like a shot. And she works from her loft. She's a loft area and she works, puts a dark room. She said that, that, you know, doesn't play any music, 
just likes to listen to the process all happening. Mm. The the hum of the the motor of the enlarger. That is nice. Incredible way to work. That is nice. Yeah. Darn fine artist, by the way, as well. Yeah. Very good artist. Yeah. Do we, have t- do we have time for one more um, question? Uh, well, I, uh, yeah. I'll keep Ronville answering. Ron, Ron, you haven't been forgotten. We'll keep yours is here. Look. We'll use that another week. I have um, I have one from Andy Stonia. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit related to the previous question. Not the the previous one but the previous but one one uh, <laughs> Andy Sonia hello love the podcast blah 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 blah. I, I've shot a lot of weddings over my years and I've always kept my personal stuff below the radar so to speak although happy to have an analogue whinge online though I never express a political opinion never diss anyone never argue never admit to being bored at a particular wedding oh you are perfect for example with the recent Brexit debacle I stayed quiet as I don't want to potentially cut my market by 48 or 52 <laughs> percent so I wonder if any opinions you have both expressed on social media have ever come to bite you on the professional verbial bum. I don't know. but You wouldn't know, would you, unless people are, you know, they might just disappeared uh, off. I agree with Andy when it comes certainly politics and did you get, stuff. Uh, did, I mean, I know I did on my personal um, um, Facebook group. I, I got involved with the Brexit thing. I was happy to say how I voted. Your personal Facebook profile is slightly different. But a lot of clients are on that personal well, okay. Facebook profile. In that case... Um, I explain a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I um, yeah, I I'm, I'm with you, Andy. In that, you know, I don't uh, like you. Often see there's some wedding photographers, at least. Uh, it's I admittedly it's on Twitter more than anywhere else when it comes to football and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're oh, never talk about football. I never share who I support. But they wise. they just sound like hooligans. They, they they actually sound like they would. You could imagine these wedding photographers yeah. stood on the the terrace shouting really horrible things about the other team yeah and i just think why even if you you are thinking those things why would you be saying that publicly yeah. um likewise so i i, I yeah i typically so you don't share allegiances on i know but, but I mean, I mean, certainly rug- with the welsh rugby thing yes no absolutely i have no problem with somebody yeah. saying i'm a i'm a manchester united fan and yeah. i want them to win of course or, or you know but not you know cheating scum such and such player and things yeah. like that that's you know that's that's not good you know that's um, a horrible word by the way that yeah it's, it's horrible. almost about a scrim it's <laughs> terrible <laughs> Um, Cheating scrim. Yeah, I, I hate all that. You know, and we're 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 you know we're knees deep into the Six Nations this now. And yeah. uh, well, that got a bit feisty, didn't it? A couple of weeks ago. Well, I, well, Ireland's Ireland beat Wales, and rightly yeah. so. They were they, they were better than us. Um, <laughs> do you know what happened to me? Yeah. <laughs> I went to the pub to watch the Italy France game, and this is a couple of weeks ago. This was, now, yeah. yeah, and um, so I went to the pub to watch the Italy France game, and all my mates. Uh, I was at a wedding on the Saturdays for yeah. the Wales Ireland game and the England Scotland game, and so I didn't see those games. Right. So I went to the pub expecting some of my friends to turn up, none of which did. Um, so I told them that it was international have a pint by yourself day and all beers were free um, which of course it wasn't but anyway I spent the first half getting really excited yeah. at the France-Italy game because I wanted Italy to win and they're never going to win well I know but I thought I they were winning have they ever won a but because they the were in, they were in well they've beaten they've beaten everybody bar England in the Six Nations have they? yeah Italy? In, yes I didn't know that yeah and they've beaten Wales three times beaten Scotland three times as well I think well, I feel, I feel truly educated because I didn't I didn't think they'd ever won one well, Anyway, they were in white, and sorry, yeah. they were in blue, and uh, France were in white, and yeah. I was so far away from the telly, I was just watching the action, um, and I, I kept seeing the white team score, and I was thinking, blimey, Italy, go for it, because I wanted France to lose, because uh, <laughs> you know then all of the big teams would have lost one game. Yeah. I got to half-time, and I put a message on my, my mate's WhatsApp group, and I was like, God, Italy would be like 15-0 up if their kicker could kick over the posts, and they were all like... <laughs> 
what are you on about <laughs> and then as i went to the loo and i got closer to the to yeah. the tv and i could my the score line came into focus i was like oh right <laughs> So I had another pint of Thatcher's and then went home. Yeah, and, and then it all made sense. But he's absolutely right. He Brad is Price right. Is best not to comment on Andy, stuff. Yeah, that was a real long um, offshoot, wasn't it? Yeah, you're right, Andy. Yeah. I agree with you totally. Um, yeah, keep your. My wife always says to me, "Keep your powder dry." Keep your powder dry. Yeah, I don't really know what it means, but what mm. she means is don't say things that uh, you know are provocative. No, and, cer- and certainly don't talk about. I mean, I've seen people talking about weddings and clients. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we do to a certain extent on here, but you know, within within the context of what we're talking yeah. about. But n- n- no negativity, no. Yeah, you got to be very careful. Well, there was that time. Oh, saved by the jingle. Right, disaster story. Nicola Alton. Hi, Neil. Hi, Kevin. Absolutely love the show. A couple of years ago, I had an XT2 for fun and Nikon gear for everything else. I was thrilled to win a place on one of Nikon's or Nikon. Should we? I didn't you know. I get Nikon. Uh, Nikon. Yeah. Nikon. Well, so often I get then told off. Somebody said, no. "No, you can't." It's Nikon. No, it's Nikon because they're a Japanese company. They're not an American company. So how do they say it in J- Japan? Mm. <laughs> well, you know, you go there enough. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. Do they say Nikon? Nikon? Yeah, but no, they will say Nikon. Well, in the meetings, they discuss Nikon or anything like no. that. No. 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 Oh, okay. Not that I'd be able to say. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's Nikon. I'd say Nikon. Keep say your Nikon. powder dry, that's what I Keep say. Keep your powder dry. Yeah. I was thrilled to win a place on one of Nikon Nikon school days out to Northumberland. First stop, the lighthouse at Whitley Bay. I began to mount my D7100 um, along with my barely used 8 to 16 mil on the tripod. I think I hear the click of the quick release plate. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Take my hand away and watch as my camera tumbled in slow motion mm. along the path and straight under the railing into the sea. I screamed and ran down to the sea. The camera had landed on a little ledge. That's a bit like the Australian one we had a few weeks yeah. ago, this. I waded in, though, to get it. It was wet. The Nikon team, well, <laughs> it was in the water. Um, the, the team were very good and, and lent me some more kit for the day, but I did cry, especially as I'd taken all my, my Nikon things off uh, of my insurance the month before as I was using the Fuji. Oh, God. Next day, I traded in all, in all the Nikon gear and came home with a new Fuji 1655 and 5140. I've increased the insurance and double-checked my tripod. I'm very happy with uh, with my now vast collection of Fuji gear. Looking forward to, to, to the next podcast. So it's kind of a, an all's well that ends well story again, yeah. isn't it? Right, send in your uh, disasters to click at fujicast.co.uk. And that's uh, that's it for for another. What are you doing? You've, you've you're in another world. I'm reading about the uh, coronavirus. Are you? Yeah. Oh God! Don't start thinking about that as well. Mm. One thing at a time. Uh, that's it for this week. Thank you to our guest Gabrielle Metalla for for her time, um, and also yours. Um, back next week with a very very special episode yes kind of a hush hush what's the first rule about hush hush club you can't talk about hush hush club no but you kind of know what we're going to be talking about don't you really it's got number four in it (laughs) so there we go if you've liked this or any of the week's shows thank you and please if you feel it's relevant we'd love you to leave a review not all podcast apps have a review option or feature but those that do especially Apple Podcasts this really helps us reach like-minded folk and builds a community which helps keep us in this year's seats see you in the Facebook group for any questions you may have about today's show Um, and do keep sending those questions in they are I haven't said this for a few weeks uh, but uh, your questions your questions remember are they're the lifeblood of the show yes 
65 people at the uh, the recent. Oh, you still are, have you thought any more about the ex weddings thing? I've thought a lot more about it. Yeah, any any uh, any the uh, the the ex weddings likelihoodathon um, <laughs> thermometer arrowy pointy thing. Yeah, is going a little bit more to the left yeah, than it I'm was. Yeah, but I'm looking at the reverse the, here. Does okay. that look like, is that a good way or it's a bad going, way? It's going a bit more back towards possibly away from absolutely not. Oh, right, so, so there's, it's on it's, a possibly scale it's, now, is it? It's uh, not quite on possibly, but it's, right. it's heading that way. All right, okay. We'll see what happens. Um, well, our music is from Blue Wednesday. We're supporting music from the incredible artlist.io. And if you'd like to see our offerings, there is uh, there is one page to go to now. Kevin and Neil have their own websites, but I thought it would be easier to give you one website address with all the links you could possibly ever need. www.futurecast.com .co.uk forward slash the boys. We'll see you next week for a very special episode. Bye bye. Bye bye. And now the bits that didn't make the show. Two, 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 two. <clears throat> Kev, that is the biggest camera I had. Oh, hang on. Press the record. Ooh, start again. That would have been a disaster. Disaster, darling. Uh, Kev, that is the. <laughs> Even worse. <laughs> Uh, right, moving on. I've got a man. It stops naughty, man. And that's the end of the show for, for this week. <laughs> Music. The Fujicast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.